the theme for the talk this evening is the substance of this world. We have said and expressed over the days in various ways the value of discovering and appreciating a certain quality of simplicity for our existence and the character of the days is a direct manifestation and a direct expression of finding a certain purity and innocence with the mode of our activities of being rather quietly respectful to the everyday things that constitute our life to acknowledge the place of sitting on the earth and walking on the earth and partaking of food and sharing of experiences together listening to teachings and to being in an atmosphere and an environment which is particularly and perhaps unusually conducive and supportive for the deepest inner interests of each and every one of us and in fact for others near and far in this world. And in the process of all of this, we also experience and are affected by sometimes forms of experiences which seem rather substantial and rather solid to us. And it's as though some of these painful and difficult experiences, almost as though they have a, um, a journey of their own in which we are pushed and pulled about by their determination upon our lives, by the way that they manifest. And so sometimes when we are dwelling on what we refer to as substantial, it's the giving of charge and issue to something which presents itself as a very major reality in our life. And at times, in our way of experiencing, in our communications uh, with each other, something has been going on in our life. We have felt it, experienced it, and talked about it. And that which we have dwelled on it's as though that really is our true reality. That really, uh, really has tremendous substance in it. And what is happening, whether it's seen as the effect of past circumstances or other circumstances, whether it's seen as a cause which could lead into something else, it gains a momentum, it gains a substance to it. And the very proof 
that something or someone or some situation is substantial for us, is the wrestling with it. It is the struggle, it is the conflict, it is the confusion. And that struggle with it is the very manifestation that it has substance. Sometimes we have passed through a difficult, painful period of our life and in coming away from that or out from it or have seen it past, we have wondered with ourselves, what was all that about? What was all that which was Go, going on, the, the, the trauma of, of that, the intensity, all of that. And we have asked and wondered with ourselves and our communications with others. It's just like one was in a, uh, a dream or in an, a nightmare for that period of time. And yet, it passed, it subsided, that there was some uh, renewal, there was some a change which had taken place for us and it's like one has passed out of one particular phase of one's life and entered into another one. So when we speak here of substance we are often speaking of that which we make to matter, which has been made to matter and which there's some struggle and difficulty with. At times, as a rather common human feature and characteristic, we can spend a great deal of time on the problem, on the substance that we have imposed, and rather less and little time on what the way is to make the difference, what the change is, what the solution, what the resolution actually is. And we've become somewhat habitualized in referring again and again to the difficulties, the problems the, and the issues. And if we spent as much time talking about the resolution, talking about the change, exploring the possibilities together as friends, as community, as people on the earth, then I think there'd be much more authority with us, much more power, much more potential. And I think we have to be extraordinarily vigilant with ourselves and with each other and actually ask oneself quite bluntly at times, am I spending far too much time talking about and reinforcing, reifying problems and too little time really bringing out the inspirations and the insights for actual transformation and resolution of problems. And I do think each and every one of us does have to look, as I say, very carefully at ourselves and the way that we actually communicate about life 
and the way we speak about things and our experiences of things so that we're not actually providing a disservice to life by focusing on life as though it was uh, a continuum of a continuum of suffering Sometimes, and we may have observed and noticed this in our days, in our meditations together, there are forms of experience, we might take the body just for a moment, in which the actual experience which is occurring is decisively unpleasant. One's normal, natural human wish is for the dissipation of it. Times we can experience feeling the solidity of the body and the greater the solidity of it, the greater the, the sensation of tightness, uh, control, uh, pressure, grip, whether that's in a specific area of the body, a specific line or current in the body or more uh, general, everything in within us says, I want this to dissipate. I don't want things to be, I don't want my body to feel so tight. I don't want my body, we might say, to feel so substantial. I don't want it to feel so heavy. And there's something about that sensation which you and I say, I, I just wish it to be different in some way or other. And we have this appreciation in our life, in our meditations, in our daily life, in, in, in dance and other forms where we experience uh, with the physical life a certain sense of lightness. Lightness meaning not heavy, not so substantial, not so gripped, not so tight, not so restricted. And so as human beings we have endeavoured in a very creative and uh, imaginative and beneficial ways to help that sense and feeling of lightness to express itself. And we appreciate that when we see that with others and obviously we appreciate it with ourselves. So there is some natural wish for this lightness of being, this movement towards, insubstan towards insubstantiality and things not being so heavy and substantial and so fixed and hardened. We don't like ourselves, hopefully, to be hardened human beings, hardened in views, hardened in body, hardened in mind, hardened in emotions. <laughs> and similarly and correspondingly, we certainly have no wish nor interest to see that in other human beings. And we find ways, hopefully skillful ways, to explore that to actually change from that kind of tight substance existence and transform that into something else which communicates something less substantial. Sometimes, in our experiences, meditation experiences, experiences elsewhere in life, that life itself no matter the quality of our interest and diligence to live a light, 
of lightness and spontaneous and to travel in that way in the world that it gives no assurance that some of the sensations of the bodily life can disappear. And sometimes there are points of what we call points of tension. There are unpleasantnesses in the body. There are interpretations of contraction or restriction. And naturally enough, when we experience that, we find ourselves moving. We, some tightness in the shoulders, we raise our shoulders, we uh, see experiences of muscles pulling in or whatever, and we notice and we allow that and hopefully to relax into and out of that again and again. And I think it's quite vital. No human being has any assurance that all areas and all parts of the body can live in a relaxed, comfortable, easy manner one day to the next. It goes against the organic nature of things. So though we may explore and put care and attention into posture, into awareness and calmness, into diet and exercise, into keeping in touch with ourselves, that certainly minimizes potential for substantiality and the pressure that goes with it. But it can't assure. Therefore, those areas which do not go away in spite of the diligence that one applies, can we allow ourselves to accommodate it? Can we accommodate that, oh, that uns those sensations which are unpleasant in our life, which feel substantial, can we accommodate and include it in the larger perception of life? When we make a division, when we make a separation, Sometimes when we call it contraction or restriction or confinement, in a way we're po imposing too much upon the sensation. Sometimes in the meditation, important things are happening which one may not appreciate and may not fully be able to uh, understand or acknowledge. One aspect of this, in the aspects of just the sitting meditation itself. We have said, be aware of the events which are happening. We have, in, uh, we have included the breath, we have included the body, included the states of mind, have included the sounds of the day, included all that essentially which keeps exposing itself to us. And one has said in this world which touches us and shapes our life so much, sometimes in all of that something occurs within which says this, whatever it is, has continuity. And there's been unusual encouragement for us to say perhaps the continuity contributes to the forming of substance and the forming of substance contributes to pressure in my life. In my life, 
Who or what am I taking for granted? Who or what do I assume will continue in a particular way, whether we like that particular way or whether we don't like? Who or what are we giving continuity to? Are we going to be so clear and honest and truthful with ourselves that in such a way that we address not only those things in life in the here and now which touch us and affect us but also those feelings and thoughts which have arisen in our life, in our experiences here which we sometimes have an assumption like a thread running through of continuity and continuity then comes up against the truths of the way this life shows itself. Who or what do I imagine has some inherent continuity to? That may show itself in just one substantial experience which gets reinforced with the idea this will never go away it's always going to be like this this is never going to stop or whatever it can show I itself this person whoever he she is they're never going to change they're always going to be like like this these things which are going on in this world whatever it may be we project the continuity into and in its projection we give it substance and in its substance we give ourselves and others pain. We deny the truths of life as they keep showing themselves. That nothing, nothing is worth investing and giving continuity to and if we as human beings with our awareness and our capacity to explore life are not ruthlessly honest with this we suffer as the price for it as the cost of misperceiving and misunderstanding the way that this world keeps showing itself and thus a human being who is light with life human being who feels uh, a lightness or an expansiveness with life as a norm of daily experience is a human being who isn't deceiving himself deceiving herself into believing or imagining of continuity of anything or anybody including this whole earth and universe one has eliminated a projection and speculation about life the way it shows itself and the way we experience it. To travel lightly on our earth and to feel the lightness of life gives no reason nor opportunity to hold on to anybody or anything anywhere. It's a hard, ruthless 
spiritual message sometimes we rebel, we don't want to hear this, we want to keep with our dreams, we want to keep with our hopes, we want to keep with our fears of continuity or whatever. So when we've been giving meditation teachings, the general instructions or whatever, and we've spoken about things appearing and rising and passing or whatever, there can be, of course, a certain kindliness in that, a certain softness of spirit, a softness of putting the message out and the reminders to each and every one of us about things appearing and passing and coming and going or whatever. But regardless of the tone of language that we might use, regardless of the way that we may speak and communicate, never to underestimate it, for any one of us, the significance of what is being said and the plain, unequivocal truth of what is being said. Nothing in this life is worth holding on to, being identified with, making a possession of, of giving substance to, because the nature has said in the nature, those that do will suffer for it. Not as some kind of uh, punishment, not as some kind of uh, discriminatory action, but the very congestion itself with the nature which gives the substance, that congestion, that collision brings the pain. Emotional, physical, psychological, social or whatever. Sometimes in our refinement of being and our refinement which seems to have a general mood to it of going in life from gross to subtle perceptions, from substance to lightness. But sometimes in that general movement with all the steps forward and steps back that take place. One of the things which is spoken about, particularly in cir circumstances like this, it is uh, there is a significant change taking place, and it may just be for a few moments or a rather brief experience, but nevertheless as important, in which the world of objects is not quite so substantial or so significant. In other words, that the particulars of what we see, or what we hear, or what we smell, or what we taste, or what we touch, or what we think about, and what we feel, that and the body itself, of course, that sometimes that world, it seems, one thing is separate and quite different from everything else, seems to lose some of its, the content, and all that goes with it doesn't seem to be quite the issue. The place we are, what we're, and the situation that we're in, and what kind of sounds they are, or what it doesn't seem to be what it's all about in some way or other. And though our everyday mind and our everyday consciousness 
is often very preoccupied with do I want to listen to this? Do I want to say that? Do I want to see this? Do I want to taste that or whatever? But sometimes in the, in the world of meditation, in the subtlety, this doesn't seem to be quite the deeper thing of what it's all about. And what sometimes we notice with that is, in our experience, is in the world of sound, as an example, in the fullness of listening, that there's a kind of vibration which comes across. It may come from the voice of a man or a woman, it may come from uh, the wind blowing in the trees, it may come from the bird on the wing. And in that, because one's not so involved in what it is for itself, it's not only that it seems to reveal a, a kind of general movement of life itself, but equally importantly, that sometimes it doesn't seem to be that it's, as it were, coming to my ears and I just hear it. It doesn't seem to be just coming to my ears and I just hear it. And that people from their experiences, where there is subtlety and refinement of, of being, it's like it has no place which is coming from in a substantial way and it's not coming to another substance. And sometimes people have said that in the openness of the vibration of the bodily life, in the receptivity which are take, taking place, it's like it's happening together. So it's not as it were travelling from there, out there, in the, the air, in the space, in the whatever, and then coming over to me as a substance who receives it. It's like it's going on in such a way at times that the vibration of the body itself, it's so it's just passing through. And it doesn't have anywhere to leave a residue with us. Life is unfolding itself together. It's not going from out there to me. And though I might talk that way, think that way, act that way, speak in that way, this happened to me, this came to me, this touched me. But sometimes in that quality of subtlety, one says, my goodness, it isn't true. It simply isn't true. It's happening. There's no movement going from there to me. It's just a way that I have assumed things. And there's a certain expansiveness which is taking place, and that expansiveness says, it's not like that, it's happening. And I can't explain this happening. And I don't believe it's the old way of thinking from there, from one substance to another substance. And one asks oneself, could that perception, very short and very brief as it might be, could that perception could that be such that if that perception and that experience was allowed to register well with me, 
and to, re to, and to register well with life as a truth of life, would that have some effect and some influence and some outgoing aspect to it that it would affect the way that I'm looking at life? In which I'm not thinking in the old way, things happening to me, things coming to me, or whatever. Maybe you could talk like that, but there's some appreciation or wisdom which says, let me talk like that, but actually I know from my experience, I know I have seen, I have understood something, that it's not really like that, it's something along, it's just happening. What would it be if a person is not thinking that life is throwing its things at oneself, so to speak, not, not impacting, it's not imposing itself, because one has sensed that and known, even if it's for a single moment of life, something different from all of that way of believing and acting and informing others and oneself. And it's just opened out enough to get a, a, a feeling for this. Could that really influence our, the whole activities of body, speech and mind in life? Because the substance view is not the authentic view. Sometimes in our experiences, the sitting quietly in the meditative world as we have been over these days together, the very capacity to allow life to unfold, losing that will to try to change something, as the Shada was speaking the other evening, to let the un uh, way of things unfold itself as well and as clearly as we might say it's possible. That when we're not involved in the substance, as it were, the so-called, the content, what it is, and the, and the sense and feeling for things is in a very different way and it's born out of pure experience, there's nothing imaginary or, uh, or uh, learnt about it. Sometimes it starts to raise and provoke, one doesn't quite know why or how, seems to provoke other kind of questions. Why, what is it that when we're not holding and grasping and clinging and making something of such a way, yet we're aware of it, we haven't withdrawn, we haven't alienated ourselves in any way that in fact our experience of things occurring is only available to a human being who is willing to take all the risks to be thoroughly intimate with life, to really bring one's whole being into existence and to really dedicate one's being into feeling life through. Not an experience available to those who withdraw or detach themselves or, or isolate themselves. Only for those people to say, I want to take the risk to know something other than just what my everyday mind-projecting substance knows. So in that intimacy of penetrative uh, care into the bodily life, and, all th and no matter what it might show, no matter how difficult that task may be, penetrative care into listening to the fullness of what comes, sometimes 
as I say, it provokes other kind of questions, not necessarily formulated questions, not necessarily questions of language or ideas or particular kind of in, in inquiry, but a kind of question which is um, expanding out as one expands out. So as the mind loosens itself from its old moorings, and the body too loosens itself from its old, old moorings, it seems to bring out something else as well. And sometimes, as I said at the beginning of the talk, when that bringing out of something else is occurring, it can be quite unfamiliar. And because it's quite unfamiliar, you know, as it were, a different quality of sensation, a different kind of experience can begin to emerge out. Then sometimes the old patterns, the old mind, the old habits, the old ways do begin to come in because sometimes our experience of something unknown is terrifying. One feels uncertain, one feels the unfamiliarity of it all, one doesn't know what it means or where one is uh, going, one, one is concerned about the changes of perception which might be occurring and the world and things are not as fixed as an ordered and uh, arranged painfully or otherwise as we had thought. So it's not unusual for human beings engaged in these processes to sometimes feel that, that sometimes very difficult edge of uncertainty as one experiences gross and subtle life and how in a moment without any kind of journey, one can touch places of subtlety which one has, which is unfamiliar to one. Touch places of lightness, touch places of insubstantiality in which the old order just doesn't hold the truth that one had thought. then, as I say, that can generate and can provoke kind of wonder with all this life, all this experience. And sometimes in the wonder of all of this experience, there's a kind of, call it questioning or call it inquiry, which might ask in many ways and many avenues of asking, but where does all this end? Where does, it all, where does all this finish? And so even though uh, my heart and my body and my, my being, in fact, is actually finding out what it means to expand out to be beyond its conditioning and get a sense of things unfolding and not travelling from one to other. And sometimes, as I say, with that expansion that takes place there, because one says, is that it? Is it that life is a kind of wind of existence? Is it a kind of process? Is it just that things 
appear substantial or insubstantial, which generates our feelings of heaviness and lightness, and they come and they pass, and that's how it is, how it was, how it will be. No matter how light things are and how insubstantial things to be, one might ask, where does all this that's going on, and all the ways that it goes on and appears to, where does it all end? And for those who are deeply concerned with the truths of life, and is deeply concerned in a way which wants to know where it all ends. Where does it all end? Sometimes in the vibrations of things, in that movement, as I said, that's passing through, we do become extremely and unusually aware, in a very subtle way, of the passing away of things. You see the coming and the passing of a particular sensation in a part of the body. We experience the coming and the passing away of a particular kind of uh, thought which is arising, or a particularly refined experience or growth which is, has occurred and we feel that and we've known the presence of that even if it's held very very lightly and we've known its passing and in its passing of whatever it is there's a certain lightness which is often felt as a deep sense of calmness of being. So in that refinement in which one's not grasping onto things Therefore there's not the pressure, therefore there's not the things coming to me. It seems to generate a calmness of being. One is not burdened with life. And one says, but this calmness of being, which is being felt in the depths of one's heart, in the depths of one's being, where does this calmness of being end? Why does this come to its end? And sometimes we begin to feel that tangible mystery of life. That tangible mystery of life which says, though there's calmness there, depth of calmness can be there, and one feels, of course, comfortable and content and relaxed in that, but where does that end? not end like, oh, calmness is replaced with agitation, calmness is replaced with substance or whatever. Where does it end when it's not replaced with something substantial? Therefore, there's a lightness of being there, a depth of it. It's not going back into anything gross or substantial. Where does that calmness end? And then one knows that one is at the limits of mind. One is at the limits of the depths of the heart where calmness can be discovered and felt and appreciated. And it's as though one can't get behind it. And any effort to try to get behind the depth of calmness puts pressure on the calmness 
and in pressure on the calmness, one is flung back into agitation and grossness. <laughs> so this calmness, it's a quality of depth of being. We can't get behind, yet there is its presence. Where does this calmness dissolve? What is the ending of this calmness? And the response that can come from the depth of one's being, if I try or do or in any way attempt to, as it were, get beyond it, to get behind it, then that will interfere with all of that. And the very interference will, will, with all of that will destroy this calmness and I will be provoked into something unsatisfactory. And one then thus realizes and appreciates in the very depth of one's, one's being in those times that that depth brings its own humility. I can't do any more. I can't add any more. I can't improve any more. I can't change any more. I can't work on it any more because if I do, it only puts a finger into a situation which doesn't need it. And thus there is a genuine and authentic humility with that calmness. But still the wonder comes. This extraordinary quality of being calm in this world. And then it's as though we have to genuinely and authoritatively forget ourselves. Forgetting ourselves in such... in such a way, it's as though one has the appreciation and the acknowledgement, I as a human being, in looking deeply into things, cannot go any further than that. To a depth of subtlety and life unfolding itself in its own magnificent and extraordinary way. And in that, some sense, and it may manifest and express in very diverse ways for human beings, some, some sense that something which was occurring earlier for me has a deeper significance than I have appreciated. And when one says, looks at one's experiences earlier and one has said of oneself and spoken of it, you may experience that when I allowed myself to open out more, when I allowed myself to not to be so tight around issues of life, when I allowed myself to other people to be who they are and not giving it substance and pressure and trying to control them and uh, hold them in one way or another. To when I allowed myself just to feel the, the warmth of a, a summer's evening, the bodily life manifesting. That something in that allowing, which one can appreciate and acknowledge and see the usefulnesses of light. perhaps somewhere that allowing is actually an intimation of something profoundly liberating and something genuinely and profoundly enlightening. That it's not just allowing in a general way about things unfolding and to experience those and respond to them in the ways that you and I find necessary and uh, value in this world. 
But somewhere that allowing is saying something about the very nature of life through the human experience. The allowing is actually contributing to the formation of that calmness. The allowing is contributing to the struggle with oneself. The allowing is contributing to the substance which is given to matters. That somewhere in my human experience of expanding and opening and allowing, that somewhere that experience is somehow a statement. It's a kind of reflection of the nature of existence. And thus my allowing is bringing, as it were, my relative experience and truth of life into an accessibility to an infinitely allowing universe. And thus my allowing is bringing me to something which is ultimately present and ultimately steady and ultimately assured. And one feels close and intimately with it. So intimately with it that even the grossness of perception, the grossness of substance, that if, that if one knows that experience of allowing, one says even that is allowed. Even that grossness is not apart from the ultimate truth of things. And one is in awe of this. And one sees with this life, with all the presentations of all the objects, with all the multiplicity of creatures, with all the manifestations of human behavior and all of its expressions of body, speech and mind, with all the things that show itself far and near and all. This is an extraordinary situation that we are in and we being in, there's a universe of things which is allowed. It's an allowing situation which allows this multiplicity, which allows this unity, which allows these differences, which allows such depth of love and calmness of life, and it allows this grossness and sorrow. And that's sometimes in the depth of, 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 of being, and in that calmness of being, one senses through that something which allows and enables all this. And then one knows that the ultimate truth of things is not, not far away. That enlightenment or awakening is not something a long way down the road, but it's available and it's accessible in such a way that not, no experience can obscure it. Every experience, every event that goes on in some way or other, is a revelation of the ultimate truth. And for this one is in awe and wonder. May all beings explore life. May all beings be free. May all beings 
live an enlightened life.